denied. Arsenal pull back the possibility of top four as we beat Chelsea 2-0 at home. Praise and dissect the amazing performance from Arsenal's front three. Question the response we might get of Mesut Ozil and lament the loss of Hector Bellerin. All this and more tonight in this and Ask Brothers Rankcast. Welcome to this and Ask Brothers Rankcast. A victory against Chelsea. If we had have been bothered or able to do a pod after the West Ham game, which we decided not to do, based on technical issues and the fact that we were so fucking depressed, then I would have picked us for a loss. We didn't lose. Toby, we won. We did. What a surprise. We're back. We're back. I'm back, baby. We have our Arsenal back. Uh, no, I'm done with that. That's why I said it, dickhead. Yep. <laughs> Good on us. Good on you. It was said... With irony. Thank you for bringing the irony. As I crack open this colonial IPA tinny. What's colonial about it? Was it brewed in 1770? No. No. It's a, it's a, a another local brewery. It's delicious. I'll tell you that much. How many percentage is it, Max? How, how are you going to oh, be it's no, by it's the no, end? It's no 14... Percent Beezlebub's juice again when I got wankered a few podcasts ago. Um, it's just a normal six point something IPA, mate. So no passion fruit wank or anything. No, like no, no sours, no gozers tonight. Just a a good old fashioned IPA. Toby, do you want to know something funny that happened to me today? What? What? So it's a Monday, and you, to you today. and you know I play golf. You do, right? I'm a I'm a a golf tragic, a golf obsessive, a golfist, and I'm a I am at a funny part in my golfing, like, tenure. My golfing, like, I don't want to say career because I don't get paid for it. but my Tenure, tenure works, leave it at that. Tenure? Okay, so I'm at a certain point in my golfing tenure where I have begun to play very well, but occasionally I regress back to being absolute fucking dog shit. So I made the cardinal error of going and having a golf lesson. And what ends up happening after you have a golf lesson is that you just play terribly. So during the lesson, you play amazingly. And then when you take it to the golf course, there are too many things going through your head and you play terribly. So I played terribly today. Cracked the shits on the sixth hole. Attempted to throw my three wood down the fairway. But as much like my golf for the day, I had been pulling the ball. I pulled my throw into the tree like two meters next to me. And the three wood got stuck in the tree. (laughs) So... Kind of like you and me playing squash back in the day, you've just switched it for golf. Absolutely. So I, I went to this tree to find the three wood, and it was higher than what I could get to. Then we attempted to climb the tree, but the tree was not a climbable tree. So I went back to my bag, grabbed a, a heavy-based club, a sand wedge, and threw that at the club that was in the tree, only to get stuck in the tree as well. That's brilliant. And suck shit, might I add. So, did you return for a third club? No, um, I play with three, three ethnic gentlemen. <laughs> so I play with an Italian, a Serbian, and a um, what's Mel, and a Maltese guy. So standard, right? standard hospo team then. Standard hospo team, right? So Mel goes, just break it down. So he climbs up this tree. Just chop it break, down, bro. Chop it down, bro. Don't even, bro. <laughs> just chop it down. So Mel climbs the tree, 
breaks the tree. Both clubs come flying out the tree and he turns around and looks at me and goes, mate, we can't come back here next week. (laughs) (laughs) But we retrieved the clubs. Football? Yeah, we probably should. Probably should. Arsenal-Chelsea. After the West Ham game, Toby, I must admit my... um, my thoughts around this game were that we were in for a spanking. I, I put a couple of tweets out. I, I, I put a couple of things out on social media saying, I don't know how we're going to change this. I don't know what we're going to do to get the best out of our team. And one person who I struggle to remember their name came back and said, what we need to do is play four at the back, a diamond in midfield with Ramsey at the head and two up front. Do you remember who said that, Toby? No. Who was it? It's fucking you, you idiot. Ah. Yeah, well I was I was I was leading you towards what you had said. That guy sounds incredibly smart. No, the the reason um that I didn't tweak with that nice little spruik was that I was still approaching it from playing a back three. So the playing the ten in between the two strikers up front is what that something that I've wanted to see for a really long time. And to my knowledge, the only time I've I've actually seen it was maybe one half of football um, with the 4-2 against Spurs. So I've been pining for this, and I can't really understand why Emery hasn't tried it, you know, apart from the whole Ramsey saga not utilising him. Uh, and and Urza, we don't even need to go there because he's not going to fucking do a defensive oh, we job. We got to anyway. touch on it. We got to so, touch on it. So, at some point, but we'll save it. So for yes, later that. Then. So thank you for that. That incredible, incredibly smart gentleman um, from Toby at Ask Brothers Rankcast um, did suggest that, but just slightly different to how you um, how you brought it in. Well, surprising that we haven't tried this style of formation, considering Lacazette's willingness to drop into holes and over the course of the season, when Bellerin has been fit, how good the relationship between Lacazette and Bellerin has been. And we saw that early with the first chance of the game, which is a delicious ball down the channel that Lacazette picks up and pings a lovely ball across to Aubameyang, who really fluffed the shit out of that one. I can't work that one out. Can I just add that Bellerin actually... For the for the the beautiful through ball to Lacazette, I think that was actually his third of those balls for for the match, and that was within the first sort of ten or fifteen minutes. So that really is a is is a great combination, or or was a great combination, as the case may be. On a sad note, um, but in terms of the Yabangaman finish, I've watched it maybe twelve times now, and I can still not work out whether he fucked it, or whether Aspilicueta got a boot in somehow. Look, there was definitely pressure from Aspilicueta. I don't think that he got a touch on either Aubameyang or the ball. I watched it back a couple of times. And it's not the first time Aubameyang's fluffed that particular shot in no. recent memory. Well, he He's skied not- the one against Chelsea last time. Yeah, he's not wonderful at that finish. That's not one of his finishes. Whether that's just a, a timing thing with him, he really likes that type of finish when he's at the back post and it's already flashed across everyone. 
he loves that finish, but the one where he's sort of run to the penalty box, he's hit a couple straight at the keeper, he's skied a couple, and he's done that kind of a little bit late on it, pushed it past the post. Um, But at that point, I was like, well, that's going to hurt us. (laughs) That's the game. All over now. Yeah, that's been done at like four minutes or whatever it was. And really, that's that's what's been happening to us lately. Our our profligacy early on um, and our inability to to convert that early pressure has has really been our Achilles heel. So we started off well, um, and obviously I'm sure you're as ecstatic as I was with that, with the early dominance, but... You know, I, I did kind of feel that there was a few missed opportunities, and um, yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, could have been typical, but it, it wasn't. Well, there was that one. Um, there was another one. Oh, Kashelny's header was another one that was a straight, huge straight at the keeper. Yep, straight at the keeper. But you know, Kashelny scored goals like that for us in the past. And prior to his injury, Koscielny was actually um, often someone who popped up with an important goal and an important game. Well, I remember a, a 1-0 against Burnley away. Um, I remember first, another one at the end of the last... season against Newcastle. I think you and I were watching the game together at yeah. your house and Koscielny uh, sort of twists on one and punches it in. Anyway, regardless, you know, he's he's been... That's been part of his MO for quite a while for Arsenal, mm. Um, mm. which is which is interesting. I always had a feeling that Chelsea at some point were going to get it together, that we so had just I. maybe blasted as, them early on. And as you would as an Arsenal fan, you know, and, and like I was alluding to before, if we don't take those early opportunities and get a team coming out of this, it kind of fucks our whole game plan. You know, we always tend to go back to the Wenger era and, you know, I, I know we make a point of not always going there, but I kind of feel in this first season of transition, fuck it, we're going to go there, so let's be unapologetic about it. I feel like Wenger's whole approach was scoring early and drawing teams out against us, and that's not such a stupid thing. But if we're not if we're not at that elite level of conversion or you know operating at least at a, a respectable conversion of the XG, um, then we are really opening ourselves up. You know, being so um, susceptible to the counter. Well, the um, biggest difference between the Emery era and the Wenger era is under Arsene, it really felt that if we didn't score early we weren't going to win because I never felt that we were going to score late. Under Emery, it's the opposite. We've, we've had a tendency to start games slowly. And especially after the West Ham game where we were so low tempo and 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 so, what's the word I'm looking for? One-dimensional, uncreative, low-tempoed. Apart from the first few minutes that we were pretty good, but we were wasteful. We were really wasteful against West Ham. I think we yeah, had about, but that was know, what I, that opportun- was what I was getting at. That I was yes. so fearful yeah. early on that we'd miss these two big chances. Yeah, and absolutely. That Chelsea were yeah. eventually going to get their shit together, which they almost did. I've got a thing at the moment that I keep getting upset with us taking so many short corners. We do it all the time, and this one that ended up leading to the Lacazette goal 
actually started with me going, oh, for fuck's sake. And it was a poor delivery as well. It's played out short, it's whipped into Bellerin, and as Bellerin whips in that ball, he kind of duffs it a bit. And I thought, oh, that's come to nothing. What's the point of having centre-backs come forward? Lacazette takes three absolute world-class touches there. The one to trap it, the one to get it out of his feet, the one to shift it, and then absolutely cunts it top bins. I reckon there might have even been four. It, it was three or four, but it was it was a wonderful quickness of thought and deftness of touch to create space where there was no space. And, and that seems to be kind of um, one of his trademark finishes, to absolutely roof it, you know, it's... I love it a roofed finish. So do I. love a roof finish. Theo. Theo loved a roofed finish. <laughs> How do you always know I'm going to go there? Oh, uh, look. One, you have the horn for Theo. I love him. Theo. The name of my firstborn. Two, he was our great white hope. Three, he loved a cunted finish. One of his greatest finishes actually came in one of our biggest drubbings in history. Do you remember? Against Manuel Neuer in uh, the five, the five-one. I forget yep. if it was home or away. I think it was the second leg. We started well. He gave us a, a nat's dick of hope, and uh, and then progressed to not touch the ball for the rest of the match, which is which is Theo's way. So, so that brings us to the end of the Theo Walcott podcast. Stay tuned for the Ars Palace podcast <laughs> coming up next. <laughs> Like I said, <laughs> amazing finish from Lacazette. Really good, really sharp. He's hit that finish already this season, but you cannot take away the the four amazing touches. It's not just the three before that. The fourth touch, which is the roof finish, is just simply outstanding. And, you know, what we deserved at that point as well, what we deserved. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just about to say that the finish was actually... Uh, whilst really good, I feel that the touches beforehand were were the worldy, the world class part of the goal. You know the way he received it and the way he shifted it in such tight spaces. That type of goal for nothing thing is something that we've been lacking. You know that um, we've said it so many times on the Ask Brothers, Toby. We have lacked people in this team for a really long time who can make something out of nothing. Because yeah, Arsenal goals have always had at. to be team-orientated goals. And we've always coveted that Jack Wilshere goal against Norwich or uh, the Rositsky goal against... Spurs? Tottenham. Which one? Yeah, don't even start me. I was having a talk to someone the other day about Rositsky being in my top five favourite Arsenal players of all time. But we've already done the Theo Walcott podcast, so let's not start doing the Zitz podcast. Yeah. Tangents, Max. Tangents. tangents. So many tangents. And we're trying to do this shit express now. We're trying to get it done in an hour. So Fuck that. We're you fucked. Know we're always happen. fucked whenever we try and do this shit. Um, Toby, one of the biggest things that I noticed after particularly the Obama Yang miss leading into the Lacazette goal and after that, was the outstanding work rate of Aubameyang. Yes, we're going to talk about Lacazette's work rate. Yes, we're going to talk about Ramsey's work rate and how much he literally sat on Jorginho's face and made him eat his asshole. But he did. He's still pulling pubes from his teeth. <laughs> Jorginho still 
has can taste shit. That's how much Ramsey sat on him. But Aubameyang has shown something to us in the last few weeks. You and I have said this a number of times, and it was just highlighted in the game against Chelsea, that he has found a different part to his game that we didn't know he had. Yeah. Well, in, in typical Max mixed metaphors, the leopard has changed his stripes. He has. He has. And I thought that it was a big V sign to the bench to Mesut Ozil. A big fuck you sign. I'm not saying it was a deliberate fuck you sign. I'm not saying that there's any sort of rift or any sort of disdain between Ozil and the Arsenal players. But I thought it was a metaphorical fuck you V sign. A metaphorical to the bench. and circumstantial V yeah, sign. Because to, it was. To, to say it to Ozil, absolutely was. do you see what you have to do? Do you see what's expected of you? So there's the first amazing side tackler's recovering side tackle from Aubameyang. The second side tackle he pulls off is in the box and he takes the ball and it's clean. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. The, the third, he charged down a non-event and picked the pocket. I think it was Azpilicueta again, or is it Alonso? Yep. One of them. Um, no, it was, Azpil- and- it was Azpilicueta and then he does a shimmy and a cut and creates a little bit of space and, and gets the shot off. Yeah, and, and showed rocket jets on his bloody feet while he was doing it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his his defensive awareness and acumen is basically basically that's what Emery is requiring from his first 11 or first, you know, 13, 14. It, this is the thing that wins us games. And if we're going to look at a, a total juxtaposition from the West Ham game to this game... And I do have a bit of a worry about the away form and the home form. Um, and that can tie us in a little bit with with the confidence of some punters, you know, actually um, betting for us against Chelsea, which, which we didn't see. But, you know, this, this particular effort, and I know we, we often talk about these intangibles, but this is what is making this team. This is what... This is what drove us towards the, you know, the Freedom 22 or whatever it was for our, our run at the start. I think it started. was Project 24. Yes. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it's the effort from the front and pressing as a team, defending as a team and having an opportunity to win the ball back higher up the pitch. You know, that's what's creating these, these pressure points. Well, um, I got given you- a massive amount of shit online about a post I put up because I said there is no way that Mesut Ozil in this system could have been effective and there is no way that we would have got the upper hand on Chelsea had we have been playing him because this system required multiple press points all simultaneously reacting. Exactly. Exactly. And the press from the press from Lacazette Ramsey and Aubameyang set the tone for everything that we did. Absolutely, Absolutely everything that we did. And the only times we didn't get that press right turned into chances for Chelsea. And do you know where that came from? That came from us not pressing David Luiz hard enough. We were of so course. worried about pressing Jovino and so worried about pressing Aspilicueta that David Luiz actually ended up stepping up into pockets of space and playing balls over the top. And, you know, on a... 
on another day, Pedro could have scored a goal. He could he could have scored two. Actually, he had a couple of decent chances. He's another profligate motherfucker. Yeah, well, to me, he, you know, he he doesn't seem like that Barcelona Galactico type of quality. In all of this kind of joy in me watching the game, Toby, and you know the the the, the real excitement, and it it wasn't the excitement of necessarily being up. It was the excitement of seeing the showing up from the players. Yeah, you know, the yeah. showing up was something to me that was just absolutely, I, I was ecstatic for it. Well, had it happened since before Christmas? Because I don't no, think no, so. No, 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 and, 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 and I've got this question to put to you later, Toby. So just hold that thought because it's, it's one okay. of my big questions to put yeah. you later on. Okay. But right. at this point, I'm kind of thinking... Are we not doing the same thing to Torreira as what Chelsea are doing to Kante? And I, I, I say this with a little bit of reservation because I know how many people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, oh, you're such a Granite Jacker hater. You're always shitting on the bloke. You don't like Lieutenant Dan. But by stats... Lucas Torreira had the most amount of lateral field coverage in the Premiership up until about four weeks ago. That means his sideline-to-sideline ability, the amount of distance covered sideline-to-sideline, was massive. Much like Kante's was the year prior. So Kante is now... uh, uh, Sorry, Sari is now playing Kante on the right of a three. And we're now essentially playing Torreira on the right of a three. And I felt that Torreira looked really lost and was really ineffective for large parts of this game, despite being still okay at what he did. Mm. Do you not think Mm. that this team would look a whole lot better with Torreira doing what he did so well in that lateral covering where he was pulling into the right-back position, pulling into the left-back position as they advanced? Uh, in in one word, no. If if Torreira is the one that drops deeper, then his partner has to be Genduzzi because Xhaka can't... He doesn't have the physicality. But we're playing in a three. No, no. Uh, if, if it's in a three, then it works. I'm talking but, about this system, Toby. I'm not talking about another mm, system. I'm talking about uh, this system. You're going to take a guy with incredible lateral movement and you're going to put him with a guy who has really fuck-all movement and no legs. I'll put this question to you. Did you think Xhaka was good this game? The reason I thought Xhaka was good is because I didn't notice him. Xhaka is a metronome. He is there to drive the play forward. Neither Torreira and, and definitely Genduzzi don't have the ability to to push the to drive the play forward and connect everyone together the way Xhaka does in that quarterback role. Xhaka for me can only play one way, and that is to be protected by hard work in front of him and those around him, and do little layoffs and do lovely incisive balls either up to an attacking midfielder or out to the out to the overlapping wings. So, for me, I have this feeling that Xhaka, I hadn't noticed him for this game, but in hindsight, I actually felt that 
that's why he did so well because he was actually Xhaka can only play as part of a midfield unit. So for me, Torreira going off and winning the ball higher up the pitch. Yes, I understand. Similar to Kante, you're actually taking away some of his best attributes, but he wins the ball higher up the pitch and he has more footwork in order to create space in tight places or to to create space in tight places and deliver little balls through to the attackers. So if if it is a midfield three or a midfield four even if you add Rambo into that mix, I reckon this is this is a good combination of players. For me, one of my massive frustrations lately has been Genduzi. Not because of his lack of work rate or his lack of movement or anything. I just feel that he needs to play in a three. I feel that maybe we have stumbled onto a sweet spot here. And Ramsey is the fourth player in that mix. And we have that opportunity, if he is going, for another player to come in to that spot. So with what I was saying previously about the necessity to have a midfield three or even a four if you're playing with this diamond approach is to protect the back line. So I reckon that Emery has stumbled upon something now where we can actually play all of our midfielders and all of them, maybe bar Torreira, is improved by their relationship with the guys that they're playing with in terms of like a partnership. Which solidifies my point where I was saying and this is where I disagree with you. I agree with you with what you're saying, that in that position, in that role, he can still have an effect on the team. I agree with you completely. I think we saw even in this game, to some extent, he had an effect on the team from that position. He actually had three ball giveaways in the first 35 minutes. So keep that in mind. He didn't look comfortable there because he's not used to playing in a channel. He's used to playing central where he can be lateral. But I honestly believe that if you yeah. were picking Arsenal's best team right now, I would actually... Well, I mean, look, I'm not a Granite Xhaka lover, so I would dump Xhaka. But we don't have that option. We don't have the depth. So it might be a moot point anyway. But the preface of what I was saying, the point of what I was saying, was that if you are playing Torreira on the right of a three... You aren't playing one of the best defensive midfielders in his rightful position. And I would rather him as that pressure release, the guy coming back and picking up the ball off the back four, the guy who can twist, turn, release, play balls over the top, and have that ability to cover lateral distance, filling in for the wingbacks, allowing the wingbacks to get further forward. Yeah, and, and I, I can see where you're going with that completely. However, for us to utilise the squad to have those extra bodies who actually gel better as a partnership, I, I really think we're we're on to we're on to something here. So we, we do sacrifice Torreira a little bit to improve Gendouzi. What you're actually and saying Jacker. is that I'm right, but given the squad that we have, this is the best way for us to field an effective midfield. Correct. Effective Correct. in inverted commas, not necessarily yep. people in their best positions. Correct. Correct. Okay, well, that was a long fucking way around.
But I also feel that that is almost the biggest tactical shift from the game, and that's why we won. So I reckon it was worth it was worth that lengthy discussion. I don't think that the tactical shift that occurred between those three, being Xhaka, Torreira, and Genduzi, was the conduit for success. The conduit for success was what happened between Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Ramsey, and the rest just kind of followed from there. That's my belief. Mm, I, I don't mind that perspective. I don't. I mind think that, that because of what but... those guys did in front of them, it allowed that midfield to be effective. I still don't think that that is our best midfield. I still don't think that that is our best midfield combination. And I especially don't think that those are the midfielders, as in their attributes, that you would want to play in that system. If I was going to play that system, like I said, I'd want Torreira deep and I would want like ball running midfielders either side of him. Joe, I would love to see have a go in that system. Joe, I'd love to see have a go in that system. Awobi. And Awobi. Both. I'd love to see a Torreira, Awobi, Maitland Niles behind a Ramsey, Aubameyang, Lacazette. That would drive fucking fear into the hearts of every team on the Premiership. It's it's creating a slight tingling in my loins. If those guys can develop their defensive awareness. You know, if, if oh, we well, can, Maitland-Niles if we can do doesn't that. lack. Maitland-Niles doesn't lack at all. And if you look at the stats on Awobi, he's really down on production compared to other left-sided forwards. Again, inverted commas, forwards. Mm. Um, especially if you compare him to like Sane's and guys like that. But he's much higher in... Uh, ball recoveries. Oh, it's just because it's fresh in my mind because I was looking at it the other day. I was comparing him to a few people. Mm. He's much higher in ball recoveries. He's much higher in tackles. Mm. Wenger always said that he thought that would would be where Awobi would end up. And I agree. And and look at his physique as well. Like I know, I know. And he's got no end fucking product anyway. Correct. So in that position, he's going to get on the ball. He's going to run. And Awobi's played plenty of beautiful reverse balls and, and things like that so far this year as well. So I'd really like to see him get a run there. So me, if I. I'm picking an Arsenal, if I'm picking my Arsenal team moving forward, based on this uh, this performance, I'm picking Kishelny and Socrates. I'm picking Kalasnak and fucking... I, my whole point just fell apart because it just like Maybe smashed Niles, into my yeah. central cortex that we don't have central or your cerebral my frontal my (laughs) frontal cortex lobe my lobing cortex the same thing that told me to throw the sand wedge at the three wood and then they both got stuck that's 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 an entire damaged hemisphere but given if we had players to be fit let me just change it up given that we had players to be fit i would prefer that we played a back four with terrera in the deepest role two ball-running midfielders. The only two ball-running midfielders we have are AMN and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Ramsey in front of them and the other two boys doing exactly what they did. I feel that it is a formation that maybe we can grab onto for the rest of the season. I, I agree with you, the the back four with that central pairing, and, and I feel like we're going to move on to this so we shouldn't spend too much time, was the first time we've actually seen something really coherent and something that we we can move forward. What is the fucking thing that didn't exist that drove that to be happening? Cover from the midfield is my biggest point. No. What? 
No fucking stupid red-bearded German getting down like James Brown. I'm not going to go down that path. That was what the fucking difference was. That's that's fucking too... It's too easy. It's too easy. It's It's not too easy. What you ended up with was two, like, older center backs who were both willing to be center backs and because of the midfield in front of them and how many bodies we had in the midfield they didn't feel the need to step up exactly. and play balls my point, they just concentrated on my being point, defenders exactly a defense is only good as the protection in front of them and that has been my bloody narrative for want of a better word for the last month you know i i still I, think that if you put mustafi in that you don't get the same sort of the same sort of considered confident performance as what those two guys did. And I understand that that is a massive issue because Koscielny is old and Socrates is like very close to being old. Yeah, yeah. But fuck it. If that's what we've got to play for the rest of the year, providing no, no, we're fit, Toby, that's the number I'm one. down with that shit. That's the number one. No, no doubt, no doubt. To the defence of Mustafi, and I'm not going to say that we weren't more defensively secure without him there. Two things. The the cover from the central midfield, and that's the drum I will bang for this entire podcast. That's the main tactical switch that I've seen. I don't think there was that much cover from the defensive midfield. I do. I just think we won the ball higher up, and we didn't invite it onto ourselves as much in the first half. There was both In the second half, we invited shit tons onto us, and the midfield didn't really provide that much cover. Chelsea got in between the lines at will. Well, they did. They provided a shit ton of cover. And then the defenders dropped in and harried the 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 balls back to the midfielder field from the opposition. So, I mean, maybe we perceive things differently in that regard. My defence with Mustafi is that he's still young, he's still developing, and he's a better forward-playing centre-back than than the other two. I mean, and in particular, Socrates. I'm not saying that he should be first choice. I absolutely think he should be he should be the backup to the Koscielny and the Socrates partnership. My main point, and I'm going to stick to it, is the extra bodies in midfield and the work rate from the top, like you said, and the extra bodies protecting them is what made it work. And I really feel like this is how we should um, be progressing in the immediate future. Koscielny, the next goal. It's taken us the best part of half an hour to get to the second goal, but we're there because we've been rambling like dickheads tonight. But fuck it. We've covered lots of ground and lots of opinions. Koscielny, another corner. Or was it a free kick? Sorry, a free kick. Ping to the back post. Comes to Socrates, who makes a terrible hacked attempt at kicking it at goal. On to Koscielny who shoulders the responsibility of scoring the goal. He does shoulder it. Well done, Mac. Um, Thank you. I thought, I've been working on that all week. I thought the knockdown from Kolasinac was actually like a real um, influential aspect of the goal. Uh, the shank from Socrates, and I didn't know what had gone on with the Koscielny header because his body position didn't, like it didn't correlate with where the ball ended up in the in well, the my back initial of the net. feeling and because the what's his name the keeper the Chelsea keeper is it keeper I think it's keeper or Kepper I think it's Kepper yeah 
anyway, my initial feeling when it happened, because Kepa looked straight to the, the touchline, I thought, oh, it's a handball. Yeah, something. He's like, something he's like it headed it onto his hand or something like that, and it's going to be disallowed. And Koscielny kind of looked up as well, like, obviously he was more looking towards the offside. Yeah. Like, was I offside? Yeah. Which he wasn't. Um, but strange goal, and my my heart filled with joy because he deserved it so much. As did mine. And I actually thought he was one of the better players in the West Ham game if anyone came away from that horrible game with credit. Um, And me too. My heart totally filled with joy. I mean, he's someone that we... Look, back on his Arsenal career, I know people might disagree with me, but at the start, he was an all-action hero Mustafi, dare I say it, type of defender. The Marlin style defender. Well, that, that's as what well. I was getting at. The 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 front footed, all action, not great in their positional awareness, not great with their one on one battle with their opposing forward that they were marking, but incredibly athletic and incredibly quick. So they they were his main attributes. Can I put a quick little question to you, Toby? Yep. Do you think that maybe Koscielny going through this injury scare and, and losing some of that pace might actually push him back towards the defensive part of his brain and away from that stepping up uh, all-action hero Mustafi or the Marlin style of game? Well, I think any intelligent footballer would progress like that. So a one-dimensional player who relied on one key attribute to be at the elite level, if they lose that, they're going to drop down the the pecking order or the leagues pretty quickly. Theo Walcott, perhaps, if he loses his pace. So where we were talking about that is that I reckon he probably has had time to take himself away from the game and stop being so reactive. So any intelligent player, which we think he would be, being the club captain and a and a defensive leader, why not? Of course you're going to adapt your game to suit yourself or, or the longevity of your actual game. Where I was getting at before um, was in his all-action hero era when he got signed from, is it Auxerre or... Is it Auxerre or Lyon or something like that? Um, no, I, think I can't both, remember. I think they're both opposing ends of the country, so I probably really fucked that up. To French fan, but his, Manny, you tell us, buddy. You his, tell us what we fucked up. <laughs> I think one's north, one's south. But anyway, his greatest era was with the defensive leader in Per Mertesacker, who who was a wonderful anticipator of the game and completely lacked any pace whatsoever. I wonder whether his partnership with Socrates, maybe there's some similarities there. And maybe this is what if we can keep I don't these think guys. Socrates lacks. I don't think Socrates lacks. Pace. No, but his experience, his ability on the ball, he's experienced. He's a leader, and he reads the game. That that's what I was getting at. Look, there's no doubt that the two of them now have formed a partnership within this system. Yeah. Which is what I was saying to you before. And I like I like Kachelny's new hair because that makes all the difference. You, wait, really? You don't like is. He's gone away from the I mohawk. don't like the faux hawk. I never liked like the faux hawk. No. Moving on. Typical Arsenal. We're 2-0 up. 
we concede a chance in what I think was the 47th minute, Alonso against the base of the post. It doesn't go in. I breathe a sigh of relief. We move out into the second half, Toby. I really thoroughly didn't enjoy this half of football. No, you didn't. I put up a video. I think you watched it. You commented on it today as well. I put up a video on uh, the Ask Brothers Facebook page, which is at Ask Bros Rantcast. Um, basically saying that I felt that the reason for our success in the first half was based on a press, and I felt this was a very Emery decision to come out and sit. Now, he made this mistake at PSG, and it's given me just a little bit of fear just in the back of my mind. Yep. It's given me just a little bit of fear in the back of my mind. It's not something I like. I really do feel that with Arsenal, especially with the personnel that we have now, and especially with the kind of setups that we had, that we have at the moment, that retaining that kind of press and that kind of power was our best way to see out the game. In the past, we've seen Emery make changes very early. And my two changes for this game that I wrote down in my notes, about 50 minutes, I said, I want to see Awobi and Maitland-Niles. Now, he did bring them on in the end, but the system that he brought them on in, I wanted him to bring them on in the existing system and let them slide in and maintain the press and give us some athleticism. Well, he would because if at Bellerin the time been injured, though. I know, but at the time... No, well, that, that's not the case at all, Tope, because he had already gone into his shell prior to this. We had sat back in what was like a 3-5-1, and we were inviting Chelsea onto us, and I said this, and I don't mean to say this to anger Arsenal fans, because I know everyone is really buoyant at the moment and really happy at the moment, but Chelsea were not and are not a good attacking team. And if we were to do that, to come out and go into our shells like we did at the second half and invite that kind of pressure onto us with a team that has more attacking talent, I guarantee you we concede and I guarantee you we end up drawing that game. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it, whether you thought it was simply an energy issue at the second half, which I don't believe it it could be, having people gone off and had a rest. No. Um, or whether it was a straight tactical decision and how that makes you feel about Emery, that he can go out and ass-fuck a team like Chelsea and then just go into his shell like a hermit crab. I agree with you that it was a tactical decision from the second half onwards. No doubt in terms of that. You know, we completely ceded possession, um, invited pressure onto us, blah, blah, blah. Correct. Part of it isn't the worst tactic in the world because we're 2-0 up. Chelsea have to come back at us. And if we nick a goal on the break, um, which which could have happened at any point, it could have been 3-0 up. So not, not the worst thing in the world. The substitutions ended up happening. And, and I'm not sugarcoating the fact that we invited the the possession onto us. I think at about 60 minutes, it was about 70-30 for the second half, and we were we were inviting pressure onto us. The the one thing that I'll say with Emery is perhaps that he he felt like the, the battle was won. You know, your Pedros, even your Williams, who's been a thought in our side, uh, your Hazard, 
operating probably too far up the pitch to be effectual against us. Um, even Effectual? Yeah, effectual. Effective. Is that a word? No, I made it up. I meant effective. I'm drunk. So, let's run with it. Let's run with it, buddy. Yeah. Effectual. Use it twice more in a sentence and we'll I'm going to go with it. Effectual. 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 It's, it's usually like... me who fucks shit up. This is me at my most uh, academic. Anyway, so it didn't allow Hazard to be effectual. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, it was a confidence in our setup and our structure. That's That's... That's why I'm going to go with it. So the question is at heart here, Toby, does it worry you that Emery is going to employ these kind of tactics with what we know didn't work at PSG? We don't have the PSG team, but I'm not going to say that there isn't a slight flickering in the back of my mind um, that it happened... There was the PSG against the Barca game, and I think it was Juve the year before that. I think both of them were four goal advantages going into the second leg. So that does concern me to some degree. And didn't we do this against Chelsea when we played Chelsea earlier in the year? We were all over them. We went into our shells. We ended up losing. Correct. Correct. But I'm I'm not going to be drawn into... A particular debate before we've seen any tactic or approach, tactical approach that comes into any fruition. Like we are in such a tinkering transitional squad, I don't want to see one positive and then come along with like two or three negatives that come out of it, if you know what I mean. Like I, I really feel like we played a containment role, and whilst that isn't always something that us as fans want. We have been crying out for in-game management, and we haven't seen that. So if that if that shift had have happened, you know, five minutes before half time, like a couple of occasions on this season already, where we've gone fuck, how do we throw that away? That's the transition away from that previous era, and that. Um, throw caution to the wind approach for attacking football against all else. So, in answer to your question, in a long-winded way, in response to your incredibly long-winded, multi-dimensional question... I'm very long-winded and I'm very multi-dimensional. <laughs> ...is that, yes, I'm slightly worried there is a conservative approach, but at the other end of the spectrum, I'm slightly happy that we are being able to manage our team and our squad in a different way. Like, maybe Emery saw the fact that Chelsea can't score goals, and he's like, do you know what? Let's not expose ourselves. Let's not spread our legs and say, come and take me. You know, which is a very Arsenal way. So... Have me. Have me. Taste me. Do what you will with me. Do what you will. Um, I'm yours. So... Is this what you want? So... In a nutshell, in the most incredibly long-winded nutshell in the history of uh, podcasting or any interview in the in the whole history of the world, no, I'm not concerned. I'm actually happy with the approach. It Do worked. you know what does make me concerned, we... Toby? What? You know what makes me very concerned? What? The injury to Hector Bellerin. Yes. Uh, now that, there is no other way to interpret it as... We're fucked, and as a human, I'm incredibly sad. Like, 
I was actually close to shedding a tear. Um, this is one of our our guys who seems like a bang up guy, a proper Arsenal man, a junior. It's it's a horrible, saddening situation, and something that you've got to say is incredibly bad luck to himself and the timing of his career, and also to Emery because I really felt like you know the this wobble that we've had isn't entirely down to any coaching it's it's absolutely um has been influenced by the spate of injuries and in particular long-term injuries so anyway a couple of different reports out there at the moment uh some saying medial which is much better than acl medials uh was i think more like six months not 12 yep. months there's also another report out there that it's a quadricep tear off the bone which is nine months uh which again is better than an acl basically everything is better than an acl especially when you are a fast twitch fiber running player acls are fast ways to end those types of players continuing to play with that kind of explosion that they've had. Uh, Theo Walcott's, Torres's, uh, name any number of ACLs of players who have just never quite been the same after an ACL. Hector's young, it's great, but there are a couple of different reports out there. One came out straight away which said, no, it's a quadricep tear. I haven't seen anything else on that. There's one on the mirror today saying it's still very swollen. The doctors think that it's a medial tear not an ACL yeah. tear. So that's great yeah. news for Hector. It's yeah. still him fucked for the season. He's gone. We're not going to see him again. And it, it brings up a question about Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Is this going to be fantastic for Maitland-Niles that he's going to get a big old dirty run in the team and at his age, playing minutes are as important as positional minutes or does it mean that Maitland-Niles is going to get no time in the midfield and he's shown this year that playing, especially on the right of a front three, he's been really good? It's a strange situation that he's in. Basically, is this going to be really good for him, Toby, or is this going to be really bad for him? There's there's two ways to look at this, Max, and, and I reckon maybe we should approach it from both of those sides. Um, it's bad for him in terms of the fact that we actually see him as a box-to-box midfielder with the ability to put his size and athleticism about his ability on the ball and to drive forward. Um, We're actually missing an opportunity to integrate him into the the first reserve of, of of the first choice team. You know, that would have been wonderful to give him a crack in the positions we were alluding to earlier on, you know, in the FA Cup, the UEFA Cup, I'm such an old man, the Europa League, um, you know, and then coming on in that position when a game is won or when a game, you know, needs to be changed, affected in some way, say the 60th or 70th minute. So that's a shame in terms of his development. The other shame is that he was doing. He he performed very well from a wide-sided forward position, you know, uh, against Liverpool in particular, um, for a lot of the same reasons I was just alluding to before. Um, but 
if we're going to switch it to the positive, and there isn't a lot of positive by losing Bellerin for the season for potentially nine months, this guy, unless we go out and spend money or play the loan system, I mean, Nathaniel Klein has already gone to someone's shit like Cardiff or Bournemouth or something like that. I don't think there's a lot of opportunity for us to play the loan market, and we sure as shit know there's no money to go out and buy someone who's as good as Bellerin. I mean, he would be in the top, what, three or four fullbacks in the Premiership, if not the world at the moment. So, as a positive note, this is an incredible opportunity for Maitland-Niles to play himself into recognition. And whilst I don't think this is his position in the long term going forward for Arsenal, this is an opportunity to play like a Flamini role in 2006, playing at left-back, going all the way to the, the Champions League final. Like, this is an opportunity to solidify himself um, in a team that has only had sporadic performances so far. Um, Absolutely, Toby. A lot of really good, really valid points made there. My, my personal opinion is I think it's going to be good for Maitland-Niles because I think at his age, just game time matters. Just running in the team matters. Do I think it's his, going to be his position long term? Absolutely not. Yeah, me neither. But, me neither. But if it gets him on the pitch and it gets him running and it gets him playing with the team, interchanging with the team and building relationships with the team, it can only be a good thing. Yeah. No, uh, ag- agreed. And, and hopefully overall that, that's our message because it really is an opportunity for a very talented player. Toby, 2-0 to Arsenal in the end. Some things to consider as far as things that we weren't happy with. Yeah. Some things to be worried about with the Bellerin injury. But overall, a performance off the back of the West Ham performance, which had very little energy and what people perceived as very little effort. Comparative to that, it was a really great performance to see Arsenal show up. Oh, um, completely. I mean, I, I actually thought that our season was over and it's a very it would have been a very early point in the season to lose complete faith in your team so a massive comeback and a massive show of spirit and exactly what us as fans needed because without this uh you know what arsenal fans are like it could have been like fucking mutiny on the bounty it would have been Mm. pretty fucked Three two ones, one two threes. Toby, Whoa, this is who hard. did you have for three points? Who was your man of the match, and why? Oh, this this part's easy enough. Uh, Boss Shelney for me for three points. Very close uh, to another, but like we were talking about before, absolute joy in our heart um, for that type of performance leadership. Um, the ability to anticipate, uh, like his defensive reads were phenomenal, his headed clearances were phenomenal, his defensive organisation was phenomenal, and then throw into the mix, um, you know, a couple of headed opportunities that one scored from a goal, and then the the other thing as well, which I feel that has been his strength since his comeback, is playing out from the back. So 
this is absolutely wonderful to see a centre-back pairing who are far more used to, with their experience, is playing in a two. And this, you know, not to put too much of a bloody uh, shiny, positive, happy fairyland on this whole situation, this really could be the thing that moves us forward, at least in the short term. So I also had Kashelny for three points, Toby. Excellent. We didn't record a podcast last week, but had we have recorded a podcast last week, I would have said that that's the most fit Kashelny has looked and that he was a shining light in a terrible defeat. If we had have recorded a podcast last week, I would have actually scored Kashelny two points. Mm, I also had him for two points last week, but this week I had him for three, and I wrote not just for the goal, I think I would have had him for at least two points without the goal. Correct. So it's not a fantasy points thing. No. It's not just that he scored the goal. I thought he was amazing. I thought he popped up. He took very, he took up very good defensive positions throughout the game. He was great with his head. He probably had two or three balls where they look like very easy clearances, as in balls being flashed across the face. But the positional awareness to be there is what makes them look easy. A lesser player like a Mustafi might do something that looks amazing there with a big slide, and everyone's like, oh, wow, yeah, big slide, he cleared it out. But Koscielny was just there just to dink it out with the side of his boot. And then he had the wherewithal to instigate counterattacks from our own defensive line. passing was, out from the back was, was, was really good. It was beautiful. Topes, who did you have for two points and why? Uh, I had Lacazette for my two points, and it was really close in terms of the man to match because would would Koscielny have been awarded three points without something to hold on to, which Lacazette mm. created single-handedly, let's say. So there was the 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 build-up play, the partnership with Bellerin, the the setup play to your banging man who didn't take the opportunities, uh, the work rate. And the the finish from nothing. So this this was an unbelievable performance. And I just want to bring you back to about before he got subbed. I forget when it was between the 60th and 70th minute, or it might even been later. He actually defended from. So we cleared the ball from our own defensive line. It, it bypassed the midfield that that were marking their attacking players, and it was actually Lacazette who pressed them so hard that they ended up just dispersing and not even bothering with their attack and going straight back to the defenders. For me, that moment was a total boner moment. And, you know, people look at the, the highlight stuff of the game, the, the highlight reels, the fantasy.premier league, you know, goals and assists. But for me, that was one of the biggest moments of the game and I fucking loved him for it. So against popular opinion... Toby, I gave my two points to Aubameyang. Yep. And I'm going to explain to you why. And it, it took a great deal of thought. Yep. Right? But I wanted to reward you banger man. I couldn't reward him with the man of the match. No. I wanted to reward him with two points. Because for a player who generally needs to score to be effective, yeah. and throughout this season has needed to score to be effective 
I felt this was his most effective game without scoring for the season. If nothing else, that deserves a reward of an additional point, more so than just giving someone that two points because they scored a goal. So I felt really connected to Aubameyang in this game. I felt that he's getting towards a, a status for me that not a lot of players have got to for me for a long time in my my love of him. We talk about Arsenal love and we talk about player love and how someone actually ends up becoming one of those guys who we see as our own. Aubameyang is really thrusting himself into the hearts of Arsenal fans right now. And the amazing thing is, is he did it in this game without scoring. I will remember this Aubameyang performance and those slide tackles at the end of the season as much as I remember some of his goals. So for that, I gave Aubameyang two points. Beautifully put, Max. I will um, I will rub my index finger under my eyelashes and, and wipe away the tear. Um, that was a really beautifully articulately way to describe your banging man's uh, defensive performance for that and the team performance and I um, I absolutely loved that aspect of him and I think there was one more game over the Christmas period that he did that um, unfortunately he's been doing it for a few weeks unfortunately, now unfortunately he backed it up with the West Ham game where mm. for whatever reason he he lost his head a little bit you know he looked frustrated and, and he wasn't able to do that anymore. I think that was a well, reflection no, of no mid of, no midfield creators and no no service of the overall performance. But um in terms Let's concentrate of, on what he did well in this game. No no I, I, I'm 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 leading towards that. Like in terms of, of, of how we feel as fans towards him, the the respect shown for that level of team and defensive awareness and selflessness, let's say, and I think that's a really big point um, in any team, um, massive kudos for for awarding him for that. Uh, I, I I can count four or five uh, circumstances where he lifted the team with uh, or defective or uh, affected the match with his defensive contribution. That's not something you think about from a low touch number nine player. And the way he's told a lot of Urzel fans to go and fuck themselves yeah. with that performance. Oh, massive. A lot of Ozil fans who yeah. sit there and say, oh no, it's just Mesut, you know, he's mercurial. Fuck you. That's what happens oh, when massive. a player comes into a team and says, oh, you need me to do a job? Oh, you need me to do something? We need a result because our, our season is on a knife's fucking edge. You need me to go and do something? I'll go out and do it. Have my two side tackles, my charge down, my press on Aspilicueta, and my general work rate throughout the game. And you know what? I didn't get my goal, but oh, great point. you're going to give me two points for that performance. Great point. Great point. And in terms of the balance of our season, I, I think you've just really Huge. hit something. I think you've really hit something. Outside of our usual... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The way we interpret it or analyse it or score a performance. Um, big point. Like, those moments of the game could have been re- 
really influential in a negative uh, way for our season. So, so I wanted yeah. to reward him, Toby. No, no, I, I actually get nearly gave him man of the match, and I just, I just pulled it at the last second. Yeah, I just pulled myself back for getting overly worked up because there were some misses in there. But oh, well, you just, that's what you I just wanted for two points. Me. You just fucked me. Anyway, we'll work that out. Uh, one point, Toby. Who'd you have, and why? Uh, I had it for the fridge, Palasnatch. For interesting. For a a defensive awareness which was beyond what we have come to expect from him and his his attributes going forward. So I thought he was quite quiet in the first half, but maintained more of a, a positional awareness. And then I thought he was... I feel that he was tasked with more of a go-forward in the second half and became probably our best creative outlet for uh, for the second half. He probably wasn't in my plus points for the first half, but he sure as shit was for my second half. And upon reflection, I saw how he didn't expose us in that first half period. Um, so for me, plus one. Uh, look, my plus one was for Lacazette. On another day, Lacazette easily could have been man of the match. He easily could have been two points. Uh, the toss-up between those guys for me was, you know, much of the muchness. Great goal. Goals win games. Like I said, three world-class touches, maybe even four world-class touches uh, to score that goal. And not only that, but I loved how he dropped into space, pulled right, pulled into the hole. I stand by this thing I said to you a while ago, Toby. I stand by it. I would have loved to have seen a Welbeck, Aubameyang, Lacazette front three because I, I actually think Lacazette could be an amazing number 10. He loves pulling into the space, but it's an argument for another podcast. I thought he was fantastic, as you thought he was fantastic. Lacazette, I love you, buddy. He could have been a, he, big time. he could be a nine and a half. He doesn't need to be a number 10. Absolutely, you know, in a front three. I I was saying earlier on in the year when we were pushing Aubameyang wide, I was saying for large parts early on in the year, I don't see why we don't push Lacazette wide. He seems to be comfortable out there. He even showed in this game he's got delivery and he's got production. He's got a good relationship with Bellerin. I mean, I don't see why Lacazette's starting position couldn't be on the right of a three with you bang a man in front of him and someone else off the left. It's... Look, it's all just shit and fucking sticks. I see them as... Is that a, a saying? The, Is that a saying? I don't think so, but anyway. All right. I, well, I it's, think, all shit and, it's all shit and sticks, Toby. I think there is splitting front two with either a 10 or a 9.5 to come in through the middle. So we don't need to play with that structured front three. Whichever side of the pitch the play is going in, the other from the far side comes in and finishes. I think it's as simple as that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Toby, we spoke about this when we called each other the other day. We did. What's about to happen is the problem with what Toby and I have set up with a three-two-one-one-two-three. The issue is that when you have predominantly a great performance or a dominant performance and really majority of players score a 7 or higher, it becomes incredibly hard to give negative points. 
So what ends up happening is you end up kind of picking flashpoints or moments in games that for whatever period you thought, oh, maybe that's him not playing really well. So don't take these to heart, listeners. You might really, really disagree with them. Please give us your feedback. If you thought that there were three outright negative players, then yeah, let us know. Prove us wrong. But this is opinion-based. But I personally really, really struggle for this, and there is not one person in my negative one, negative two, or negative three who I'm really like, you were awful. No. No. So, kick it off, Toby. Negative one. Who did you have and why? Or did you just shake a hat and pull out a name? No, I, I, I was... I was pretty set on my negative three and negative two, even though um, you're probably going to want to stab me for, for at least the negative three. The negative one was really hard. Um, I have actually gone for your banger man for your negative one. Do you feel bad about it now that I gave that heartfelt speech? No, I, I feel fucking horrible. But the the player that I had previously didn't do anything wrong so after i give this like rousing winston churchill speech like we will fight them on the beaches well your banging man did fight them on the beaches he never surrendered but i felt that the 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 missus and his primary role and this is something that 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 you've always pushed when you're when you're rating these players um you know he really is there to score goals so there was got three opportunities where you know he didn't hit the target. Um, there's the miss. There's the miss from the Lacazette flash ball. Probably the main one that he misses, and there's the Aspel Equator one yeah. where he does him and then kind of weaves and doesn't put it in. No, that's right. Hits it with the outside of his boot. Was that the correct finish in that particular circumstance? So whilst we're saying his defensive work rate set the tone for, for our victory and had a huge um, influence on that, uh, his primary role wasn't taken. And if you're talking about like a, a conversion rate of roughly 25%, you know, he, he already had three or four chances this game, uh, hasn't scored for maybe four games now. So it's that's my basis for that negative one, even though it hurts. Um and I'm going to stick with that because a player that I was considering for negative one in Granite Xhaka made absolutely no errors for the day. None. Well, Toby, I gave negative one to Lieutenant Dan, Granite Xhaka. And do you know what I wrote down? You didn't notice him? No, I just wrote down it's because I don't like him and I had to give it to someone, so I gave it to Granite. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had done previously that's how much i struggled yeah. with this no, no. negative three like i yeah. had do you know what can i tell you the three players that i had in there sure so i had genduzi in there his stats were actually amazing he had like six ball recoveries four tackles i think he was like the third highest amount of distance covered by any player and the second amount of touches stats so, don't mean everything no, I know stats don't mean everything, but I was really like just trying to pick someone. Yeah, I was yeah, like, well, sure. what was your effect? And then sure. I thought, well, maybe you did have a good effect. You want to sure. know the one that's going to really sure. rock, really going to rattle some cages and fuck some shit up? Probably my one when it comes to negative. No, three. no, no, of mine, of mine, buddy. 
the, the negative one that I had that's going to fuck people's shit up that I didn't end up going with. I talked myself out of it. Yeah. I had initially a negative one for Ramsey, which I pulled before the fucking Twitter and Facebook world goes mental. I pulled it. Because you're a cock. Yeah, but You rubbed my... his butthole on Jorginho's mouth. Yeah, and fucking Toby Aubameyang nearly made me cry with his effort. So oh, I know, you I know. know, and we I both just gave got him issues here. One. But the, the 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 reason why I had it initially was I was looking for a narrative that wasn't there. Yeah, because I was struggling for a negative one so much. For sure. For sure. And what what I actually wrote down initially was he didn't make me want to sign him up and offer him a $250,000 contract right here and now, like what a lot of the Arsenal fans want. Because he played a Kante role out of the number 10. That's what I feel he did. And you know what pissed me off so fucking much about it, Toby? So you're telling me five fucking seasons with Arsenal, when we've put you on the right and we've told you to do a job, you've gone wherever the fuck you wanted. When we put you in the midfield and told you to do a job, you've gone wherever the fuck you wanted. Now that you've signed a contract... And your whole role for the rest of the year is to make Arsenal fans like you so they regret you going. Now, you finally show fucking positional awareness and stick like glue to Jorginho the entire game? That was why I wanted to give him a negative one. Gotcha, but who was his manager? What was his directive? No, I get that. I get that. So the consummate professional, and I'm no Ramsey lover. Let me put that... Do you understand what I was saying at least, though? Like, now... You go and do this shit. He seems to be responding better than others, let's say, in the team, to an actual uh, job description. He he's shown that. So, I whilst I'm not now that he's going, so, correct. But let let me let me put this in here. I am not unhappy that he's going, but do I believe that he was a wasted? talent and that he could have been coached with more directive absolutely yes should he have been the greatest central midfielder that the premier league this era had god seen? well that's absolutely. a bit much but possibly no 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 but possibly. I, I, I honestly believe that for all the people who, who fight me on facebook and who fight me on twitter when i say that i don't like him the preface for why i don't like him the preface for the reason why i've said don't let the door hit you in the ass on your way out, is that he has never been the player that he should have been. Correct. The player that he should have been should have been a connective midfielder. Like I've said this time and time again, back in the day he used to average over four tackles a game, and people said to me, oh, he's been asked to play different positions. That that doesn't sit with me. That doesn't sit with me. Right? It just upsets me and it annoys me that for so many years, and even at the start of this at the start of this season, Emery essentially asked Ramsey to play this role. At the start of the season when he up. backed him yeah. and he didn't step up. And now he's gonna do it. Now all of a sudden relaxed Aaron is gonna be like, Oh yeah, you want me to sit on Jorginho? I'll chase him around all day. He barely went in front of the strikers. He barely ran into the box chasing goals. It just upset the shit out of me because in the city game at the start of the season. Yeah, it upset the shit out of me because the idea that now this guy is going to show us what he could be to make us regret losing him. Can, That's can, why can, I had this like world-rocking negative yeah. one, which I didn't end up going with before everyone loses their fucking shit because the defensive performance 
and the pressing performance that he put in in this game was essentially one of the three pillars to us getting on top of Chelsea. Correct. So Correct. that's what I have to say no, about no, that. Well, well said, and and let's put a line under it because this this Ramsey discussion has gone on for so fucking long. Management has so much to do with the performance of the followers. You know, uh, you know, we're talking so what are about you saying Wenger fed him grapes and told him he was a god. Yeah, I am. I am. Fair enough. And there, there is also don't forget like a real language. Um, issue with with Emery coming in and not speaking the language, not being able to to put his message across, tickle the heartstrings, you know, understand the culture, all that stuff. We're actually seeing a response now. We're actually seeing a response in a in a in a player. So yeah, have we missed an opportunity? Probably. Was the player a bit maverick and injury prone? Absolutely. Was the player? Was the player ready to change and acclimatise to what Emery wanted? Probably not. Not at that point. It's taken him not six Not at that months. point, but now so. he's decided that he's going to do it. Anyway. And I said this in, I said this in my Driving in Cars with Aspra's video. Bruh. I'm at a point where if Ramsey is willing to do this job for the rest of the year, considering the personnel that we have and how we really need to be successful this year, I'd hug I'm him and quite I'd happy to hand. play him. Every day. Yeah. I shake his hand and I say, Aaron, if that's what you want to do, if that's what you're going to do for me, you'll play every game. You'll start every game. Yeah. And I'll play you in this system. Yeah. And that's not me loving you. That's not me tickling your balls and working the shaft. That's just me saying, if you can do this, I honestly believe it might be the best possible thing for the team. Correct. Correct. Toby, negative two. Who'd you have and why? Negative Two. Does anyone even remember who we had for negative ones after that rant? Jesus Christ. Uh, negative two I had for Genduzi, who actually had a pretty good game, but showed the very point that has been annoying me over this Christmas period. So that is as a 19-year-old who isn't used to the the incredible fine margins that that happen in the premiership and the tracking back and the marking of the players over their shoulder so so your main issue was those i think there were two instances where chelsea ran through in the second half and Genduzi didn't track his correct runners. and not the great things he did the non-tracking of the runners because correct. he is not defensively aware and he did a lot of good things might i add the usual things that he's good at, the making of space, the layoffs, the constant um, balls to always make himself available to receive the ball. Some of his forward play was really good as well. But yeah, just the lack of awareness of runners off his shoulder. And that was a big point. And if, if Pedro had have taken another touch when he had acres of space, during the time that we were intentionally trying to sit back and invite pressure if we had gone 2-1 uh, if they had scored another goal and made it 2-1 then I reckon we would have uh, at least drawn that game which is what you, know you what, were Toby, talking about with your fear made me reconsider not that I'm going to change my points but you have made me reconsider in some way what I thought of Genduzi's performance the one thing I will say 
is I think there's a little bit of venom, not venom, but a little bit of of dislike towards Genduzi at the moment because he's not the player that we need. Correct. I love but, the bloke, but he's just but not the guy we need. You cannot make him. You cannot make him what you need. Ah, he is what he is. He's nineteen. You can't wish him to be. Uh, what's his fucking name? Musa Dembele. You can't wish him to be Nzonzi. He is what he is. He's nineteen. He stepped up massively. He always shows for the ball. He gives a hundred percent. I just think that there's a little bit of consideration that we need to make for the fact that this kid never should have played this much football. He was never going to play this much football, and we cannot force him to be something that he isn't. He is the player he is. He's a high-touch, tempo, triangle player. Absolutely. And my exact point from way earlier on in the podcast is that is why you give him partners in the midfield. The fact that you put bodies next to him a three or even a four, if you look at the way we played, that completely nurtures and enhances everything that's good about him. Okay? But you he put, shouldn't be playing. You agree oh, that, right? He shouldn't, he shouldn't be playing. He should be first choice at best off the bench. At best. He should be in a 16-17 man Correct. squad. Correct. At 19, he should still be popping up in the league Absolutely. Cup, popping up in Europa yeah. away. The fact that he's been able to do what he's done is means that hopefully in the new year, what he does is he goes into the gym, he goes and takes some fucking protein powder, some creatine, some pre-workout, and bulks the fuck up. Some fucking testosterone. Fucking can't. get on the test, bro. Get on get the on juice. The Start juicing, bro. Nasri styles. Did Nasri get done for juice? I, I thought he got done for recreational. Nah, probably was. Nasri doesn't look like he's done any juice, man. That cunt's <laughs> no. a fucking wiener. Except on his nose. Yeah, if he did juice, he stabbed it into his cock <laughs> to try and get bigger erections. <laughs> <laughs> and after uh, some insightful Genduzi comments about his future of the team and his partnerships with midfield, we subject ourselves to our usual level. Correct. We're back, baby. Negative two, Toby, I had Kalasanak, which is interesting because you had him in positives, the same as I had Aubameyang in positives, and you had him in negatives. Look, I was struggling for negative points. I thought that Chelsea had maybe three major chances in the game, and they all came down Kalasanak's channel. I still think he gets caught high up. Can I tell you one thing that really pissed me off about Kalasanak? It didn't get brought up in the commentary, and no one really brought it up that much. There's a ball over the top by Louise to Pedro, and Kalasanek absolutely runs off his line to hip and shoulder him off the ball. Pedro goes flying. I love that. I love that. No, no. I love that. It was a fucking really stupid decision from Kalasanek. He always had a broken neck. He didn't need to do it. brilliant. Yeah, no, listen. Get your hard-on for physicality out of the game. No, no, For me, it was really silly. He we could have too retained. Much NRL. He could have yeah. retained his line. No, I know. And I thought that that was at the time when it happened. My guts dropped, and I thought, "Oh my god, that's a pen." Yeah. No. Or, he or, did it. He did it to Lovren against Liverpool. Or a free kick. He did it to Lovren against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure it was in the area. Yeah. It would have been a pen. 
if it wasn't a penalty no, right it was, on the edge, it was just did it to Lovren as well. I think sometimes Kalasinak forgets that he's playing football and he thinks he's like, what nationality is Kalasinak? Oh, uh, he's Eastern European of some sort, like Serbian. I think it's Serbian. Is he? I don't think he's Serbian. Uh, hold on. Hold on. What nationality is Saeed Kalasinak? Here is information from Wikipedia. He's Bosnian. Well, Bosnians fucking hate Serbians. They had a war. So it's like Saeed Kalasinak thinks that he's playing rugby union for the Bosnian national team. And I don't know if Bosnia has a rugby union team, but if they did, they should definitely select Kalasinak, even if he's never played rugby. <laughs> uh, Toby, negative three. Who did you have and why? Max, this is hard. And and straight out of the book of total cunt, i.e. Max, awarding negative three to Rob Holding whilst suffering an ACL injury. Um, I have taken one of my favourite players, uh, our best leaders and our great white hope, and awarded him negative three for some profligacy that is so in his delivery. Fucking harsh. Um, that is Hector, so harsh. Hector Hector Bellerin. Um, I love you, buddy. But at a time where we really needed a goal and you needed to get your head up, when you had two wide open players and you hit the first man, Hector. I'm sorry, you know buddy. What, Toby, I'm just going to blow right past months. that. I gave negative three to Torreira. I thought that he looked lost on the right. I thought he, by stats, he would still end up having a diff, uh, still end up having a decent game by stats. But I don't think it's his best position. I don't like him there, and I would prefer him in defensive midfield. It's probably really harsh me giving him a negative three, but it's just that I've got a lot of notes throughout saying he looks lost there. He, he, you know, there's three ball giveaways there. There's this, there's that. Look, like we said at the start of this, you know, this is the flaw in what Toby and I do every week with this positive three points and negative three points. There are weeks when we would prefer just not to give negative points, but we can't. It doesn't fucking work that way. So we have to give negative points. We've struggled and hopefully we've justified ourselves in one way or another to at least be able to come back and say... Well, we tried to give you some reasons, even if they were wrong and bullshit, and we fucking gave negative three to a ACL fucking torn Hector Bellerin. You piece of shit, Toby. <laughs> Rob Holding, Max. Rob Holding. Okay, guys, that brings us to the end of this another Ask Brothers rank cast. Sorry we didn't get the West Ham thing going on. We had technical issues and life issues and couldn't be fucked issues. But we're back, we're back tonight, and hopefully we've thrown up something that's at least going to cause some interesting conversation points. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at AskBrothersMax, you can follow Toby on Twitter at AskBrothersToby, and now you can follow us on Facebook, on our Facebook page at AskBrothersRankCast, where we'll be uploading videos weekly called Driving in Cars with AskBras which is basically me driving my car saying shit into a microphone. 
Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to us. I know this one's a bit ranty and all over the place, but fuck it. That's what we do. Good night. Have a great weekend. Up the Arsenal. See you after the Man U game on Monday, and then we'll probably do a double bubble episode the week after that for Cardiff and City. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Have a great night. Good night.